0: I got a job for you, unless you're uh, too busy sleeping in the middle of the sidewalk in the middle of the day. Oh, you mean like uh, work? Yeah, I mean like work, like private eye work. One of your compatriots, tall dude, got a perm, wears a dusty robe, hangs out with fish. Oh, yeah, you talking about Jesus Christ? He ain't Jesus Christ, okay? He's just some crazy dude who thinks he's Jesus. Oh, no, 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 he is Jesus Christ. He's. Uh... He's the Son of God, King of Kings, of the Most High, God's only begotten Son, sent down here to save our mortal souls from eternal damnation. But you know what? That nigga ain't doing shit for me. He ain't bought me no car. He ain't paid my rent. He's stingy. Whatever. I think he's the danger to the community, and I want you to keep an eye on, follow him around, keep me posting on what's happening. How much? Ten dollars. <laughs> I sincerely apologize, but I have to turn down that bullshit ass offer. Episode 132 of the Cult of Matt and Mark, Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to head over to the Facebook and like us, the cult of Matt and Mark, or head over to our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com, or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. And head over to either Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or if you're a indie book person, uh, the Kobu site, and pick up my novel, Nova Byzantium. It's out now, uh, in addition to uh, another novel, Mine, Chronophage, out under the nom de plume, M.G. Churchill and uh show news this week mr hudson uh show news well we're gonna take a little sabbatical
1: starting we this are
0: week. just uh heads up to our listeners so we're uh going on a it's about a month long. Sim- yeah late summer sabbatical uh we intend to be back uh with a new podcast sometime in uh mid-september maybe around the 15th or so don't have a movie if uh, the guys from yet, fucking
1: car talk can do it we can do it too <laughs>
0: Yeah, god damn it! We're going European. We're taking a fucking month off. So, uh, but we're gonna probably, maybe even start our run up to our October horror fest. Uh, Mark's been, uh, I guess, looking to theme up the podcast a little bit and do uh, maybe, maybe we'll even start back with with a horror film because there's a ton of them to do, and I got my list, and I know Mark probably has his. November so. is romantic comedy month. <laughs> and December it is and
1: children's uh, animated, uh, computer animated films. So that's going to be a good one.
0: Oh yeah! All right, Frozen. Uh, oh yeah, we're doing we'll Frozen. We're Disney. doing Cars too.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. It's gonna Planes awesome.
0: too. <laughs> Planes um, two? Ice Age five. Whatever. Uh,
1: Transformers the movie from nineteen eighty
0: three. Oh, that's man. That's not I'm really a kids' up. movie. I know, that movie mops up all that Michael Bay shit, you, though. You know, a real
1: strangely. good one, actually, I probably like it more than the Michael Bay ones, is did you ever see um, the G.I. Joe movie from about the same period?
0: I knew there was one out, it's but a good, it's, uh, I don't it's a, recall seeing it. It's a
1: good one. It has an amazing theme. It's like man against nature. What? Really? Yeah, real, wow. it feels old school.
0: What are they fighting?
1: They're fighting like a, uh, like a sort of a... Uh, a cobra aligns itself with like this uh, magical like life being that can make just life sprout out from nothingness. So basically, it's like tanks versus like anamorphic trees and and whatnot. Oh,
0: so the bad guys are our, actually our, like, is, harnessing nature, yeah. and overcoming G.I. Joe. Interesting. <laughs> even even in '85,
1: when I think I saw this movie finally on
0: TV, I was like, "Geez, it
1: just doesn't seem to sync up with the general sentiment." I mean, this would be better <laughs> in the '50s, I think.
0: You're like, gee, like, "Fuck nature, <laughs> fuck you, trees," and just uh, scorched earth. Uh-huh. You know, ah, interesting. Yeah, no, the eighties don't seem like that far ago. But there's, uh, you know, we've reviewed eighties movies that kind of smack us about with with how dated they are, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like calling, it's like you're such a fag. That's so gay, which mm-hmm. uh, now is like verboten. So, it's oh yeah. yeah, yeah, a bunch of fags. Uh, Let's see. Any other show news? Um, God, nothing I can think of. Just just general complaints and and, and whatnot, but uh, nothing in particular. Well, uh, everything's going
1: all right in the world, right? So what's the word Yeah,
0: about? well, you know, like Iraq's working itself out. I'm glad to to see that's uh, all sorted now. So uh, it's going to be a cheery place. Uh, we're going to book the vacation into Baghdad here in a couple months, and uh, you know, it's too bad it's not peaceful
1: because it'd be fun to go and visit Mesopotamia. But uh, not
0: really a good time at the moment. Yeah, if they could just clear out the folks, you know, and uh make it kind of like a giant theme park. Yeah, they think, could probably uh, have a pretty decent
1: uh tourist industry considering all the history.
0: Yeah, but you know the problem now is 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 all those lunatics are, are blowing up all the historical monuments, so no, I mean like, oh, there's I that know. stuff, but there's
1: still people still go see ruins, even if they've been blowed up. People still That's go That's true.
0: That's true. You just have yeah. to put a gift
1: shop and like a little like museum with some artifacts in Oregon behind glass. Just and people. Just a little come. bit.
0: Well, you just want to stand on the ground where uh, you know, Alexander the Great first shat on Mesopotamia <laughs> and then uh, A
1: long history of shatting on Mesopotamia. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: You really got the ball rolling. <laughs> that's right. So uh anyway, uh, I guess speaking of uh historical epics, we should probably get into our movie this week. Uh, our movie is the uh, I want to call it controversial, but it's not. Watching it, it doesn't seem all that controversial. Uh, is no. uh, Mel Gibson's 2004 release, uh, "The Passion of the Christ"? Um, I say this almost in jest. I got to get it up. Hold on here a second. I forgot. To, uh, hold on one second. Got to get the plot review up. Okay, I, I say a quick. So plot let's just rundown. let's just read
1: through the Gospel according yeah. to which one? Which one was your favorite? I'm partial to Mark. Well, is
0: there one for Matthew?
1: Yeah, there's a Matthew, too, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's weird, because you got, like, what, all the disciples jotting down what they thought of, well, of there Well,
1: four the four canonical go- Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John.
0: Aren't they slightly contradictory, too? Isn't uh, they they're tell- their
1: own tellings. You know, they, some yeah. cover the same topic, some cover slightly different topics, yeah. But the, I don't think they're terribly con- contradictory.
0: All right, so I say this in uh, jest, but quick plot rundown. <laughs> the Passion of the Christ. Let's, let's
1: sum up the first four books of the Bible real quick. All right.
0: Uh, this depiction of the last 12 hours in the life of Jesus opens with his betrayal by Judas, his condemnation by the Pharisees, and his appearance before Pontius Pilate. Pilate, or as I like to to call him Pilate, uh, defers to King Herod, but re- Herod returns Jesus. Pilate then asks the crowd to choose between Jesus and Barabbas. Uh, The crowd chooses Barabbas, Pilate washes his hands of the matter, and Jesus is forced to carry the cross, the streets, to Golgotha. Golgotha, It's a bit of a tongue twister there. Where Roman uh, soldiers crucify him. Although Jesus briefly fears that God, his father, has abandoned him, he regains his faith, proclaiming, Into thy hands I command my spirit. At the moment of his death, uh, nature itself overturns. So a quick, uber quick plot rundown there of the gospel. Well, thanks to Uh, Bill Gibson
1: for writing that one. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, first viewing by Mr. Hudson. I- I'd seen it once when it came out. Oh, did you? DVD. You actually
1: went? You went oh, yeah, on DVD.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't. What, there. What with, made you uh, watch
1: it? Uh, I mean, I'm I just thinking... I was sort of disinterested. Even though I do like Mel Gibson, I I don't know the whole. I mean, I knew it focused on the last, you know, like that last day. Uh, and I know Catholics get a big stiffy thinking about that stuff, and I never understood it. We, we didn't really pay. All, we were more cons- when when i grew up in sort of a non non-dominational the dominational setting they were focused on jesus but they didn't really focus on these last 12 hours much uh, it was mostly focused on his teaching you know the turn the other cheek business and yeah and uh, give unto caesar what is caesar's and stuff like that right. i think i think it's a better thing to focus on i guess i don't really i don't really understand the focusing on on the death i mean i guess functionally it's an important part of the Jesus Christ myth that's very popular well, these days. But he's the Lamb of God, and we got around this whole sa- blood sacrifice business by doing this like big main sacrifice. That's right. You do I mean, like, it's a good uh, workaround.
0: A, a, a WrestleMania of sacrifices here. With uh, uh, okay, this is the fucking last thing we're gonna uh, kill in the name of, of of a higher being, and then we won't have to do this shit anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it makes sense. I mean it's a good idea. I mean it makes as much sense as why you would need to sacrifice your best animals on an altar to some some angry god. It make, right. It, it doesn't make any
0: less sense. I guess you could say. Yeah, I. Yeah, I guess. All right. There's so much to cover. There's so much to cover. Well, okay. So first viewing for Mark. Did you Did you enjoy the film? Let me just put that out there.
1: Yeah, I wish. I really did. Um, I wish, goddamn! I wish I could cut about three minutes out of this
0: film. Some, some excess a, beatings, I think, could've. like the like
1: the ending when Jesus rises. That that's oh, like, yeah, that's yeah, got to yeah. be on the floor. Yeah, um, yeah. Some of the stuff where like a real contented Caviezel's looking at the camera is got to be cut.
0: Right. Some of the, like yeah, I yeah.
1: you know the the flash. Some some of the shots on his face just didn't hit me as right. He seemed a little. I don't know. He seems a little smug in some of those scenes. Well, yeah, it's interesting.
0: Uh, you and, mentioned uh, that.
1: and there's also there's a couple of things that, uh, I mean, really play up the religious stuff, like the whole uh, earthquake at the end business. I don't yeah, even know, don't know that from the gospels. Is that really in there? I it don't might know, be man. in one of the Gospels. Know. I don't know. And, um, and there's a couple of other parts where it's sort of heavy handed on the religious business. Just very few, but they're there. It just well, feels and, like he had to you pay homage to the. When he could have just focused on the experience of Jesus Christ as the man, because I mean the whole idea is that he was a man, even though he was one of the part of the triumph, not the triumphant. I guess that's the right word of God, the Holy Ghost, and and the Son. I mean the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, A uh, tripartite element to the to uh, you know the the Christian God. Um, because he had to I mean this understanding in the gospels, that he had to experience it as a man. That's part of the that's part of the deal, for whatever well, reason.
0: So, uh, watching this, uh, I, I, I'm Mark, and I are both atheists. Uh, I don't know if I'm a little bit more hardcore than Mark. Well, I don't. I don't I'm think you opinion. had. You
1: don't. I don't think you had the benefit of growing up within, within no, the I didn't. environment, which I think. It, sort of makes i think it rounds out your appreciation better just like just like anything it's always it's always better like you know satan knows every word of the bible by heart and that's one of his great powers and uh i think it's i think it's an important way to you can't really appreciate a religion without being steeped in it uh at least to some some reasonable amount like we can't so really I... understand the muslim experience because we haven't really experienced it at all i mean maybe if we did a PhD thesis in that we might come to some understanding of it, but it would be it'd pale in comparison to growing up with.
0: it. Well, I, I mean, I think if you want the Muslim experience these days, you have to live, live under a shitty dictatorship or a fucking chaos. That's kind of my opinion. You know, I so. mean,
1: I, I mean, you can get the. I mean, there's there's some decent. There's a lot of decent, uh, primarily Muslim countries in Southeast Asia. Yeah, there's, those, those are aren't a little too bit bad, more and there's stable, some, some pretty.
0: But...
1: And there's some pretty good enclaves. In the West as well, even though it's not a huge uh, number of, of
0: Muslims, but population. like a huge swath of it uh, suffers greatly, I guess. So, well, the whole um, the
1: whole Middle East, Northern Africa stuff's not doing too hot.
0: Yeah, it's not doing too hot. So, in in that regard, I I, I view it less as a matter of religion and more of a matter of geopolitics and and whatnot that's sort of well, shaping that worldview more than, uh, hey, let's pick up the Quran and go ape shit. Kind of attitude that. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, we that's all not, like to sort not, of think of.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's just that's just goofy, uh, right wing Zionist sort of feelings. Um, yeah, I mean, people. I mean, the whole terrorism thing is just simply because. What else are you going to do when there's some great power that you can't fight
0: in any well conventional yeah.
1: mean and lording over you? You know, what do you do when some great power kills your brother? You know, well, and the Jewish
0: Zionist started out being terrorists back well I think, I think i think more of the,
1: when i think of zionists i think more of the christian zionists
0: yeah that's a weird one christian well, zionists i think i think they're the more more
1: more mover shaker crazies
0: are those know, the ones know. that like want the jews there or are they yeah yeah it's want, part of
1: the prophecy they have to be there in order so to, for the up. end of the world to come
0: around yeah that's so fucked up yeah everything's self-fulfilling at a certain point you know so well i hope um, that
1: so end of the world thing isn't self-fulfilling <laughs> A pain in the uh lines.
0: it is if you really try hard. Well,
1: I guess you can probably get there if you really work at it. God, um, we worked at it in the seventies and we didn't quite do yeah, it. Almost. What a disappointment. Yeah,
0: exactly. All right. So uh Mark uh is a little bit more uh steeped in in I guess christian mindset than myself um watching the catholic
1: mindset though so i think that really hurts my appreciation of the film i think if you're grown up catholic and like a lot unlike a lot of catholics like my girlfriend who grew up catholic but didn't pay any goddamn attention to it it's like it's weird i talk about stuff in the bible and she's like what (laughs) i swear to god you went to i went to public school she went to catholic school until like high school right she went to mass all the time i mean she's irish mostly and, just, um, and just, I I guess if you're not going to pay any attention to it, I guess it doesn't matter whether you have Bible class all the time or not.
0: So Mel Gibson's a, like a crazy Catholic. It's not necessarily mainstream Catholicism, which I didn't even know you could have some kind of, uh, uh, I guess, version of a version. Isn't that true? He's, he's not like just mainstream Catholic. He's some sort of, I want to say, um, Shit, I don't want to speculate. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know anything
1: up. about it. This is the first time I've heard of it. But I he's thought he was just Catholic. real
0: serious about it. He's, as I say, he's a Catholic. Uh And I guess that's what uh, shaped his vision for the film, which is, I assume, as literal as you can get with the Gospels, like combining them and uh, trying to stitch together characters and events and all that kind of thing. Right, uh, right i mean there. it
1: seemed pretty straightforward the movie yeah it was I
0: mean, very linear i mean
1: it was it was that i mean the catholics are really there's something about like there's something about the walk jesus made with the cross and it was never really played up uh when i was getting raised but the, it's called the, the stations of the cross and the catholics are pretty serious about that
0: okay the whole i like, mean
1: like the three times he drops the cross and the guy who gets brought in to carry it for him okay all all that stuff is like uh it's it's been formalized over the years
0: so uh, it's it's almost wrote at a certain point right i mean that the story itself i think it's, so uh, you know i mean yeah. i think
1: there's meaning that's been tied up into it like all the little details have significance the people really are serious about it that, that we would never see because it's it's only imposed from Outside, having conversations in church and stuff. So, the, I mean, I think like a, a lot of hardcore Catholics probably see a lot more in this movie than we do because they have a lot of extraneous information that bears well on
0: it. And I think you know, it's it's like when you get excited after reading uh, a book, and then the movie comes out, right? But this book is is uh, basically a book that that shapes your entire. Uh, mindset and philosophy, and then all of a sudden, Gibson comes out. and He's like, "It's the most exact version of the the story you all know and love." Did he and say that? No, I, I'm just. I don't
1: think. I don't think he.
0: I don't think he would say that. I think uh, he just
1: wanted a very evocative, visceral, uh, well, experience visceral. that exists that only the motion picture can convey to you. And I think he. I think he's very successful on that.
0: Well, and I think that's why it. It. it uh, I guess for the faithful. Uh, really got him going, right? Yeah, I guess,
1: I mean, I guess I I never considered this part, like the suffering at the end, to be that really crucial to the process. Um, Well, But uh, I guess some people have a difference of opinion about it. So let's,
0: okay, so uh, there's another Jesus movie that I I think you and I both like better, Mm -hmm. which is The Last Temptation of Christ by Martin Scorsese. (laughs) Which Oh God, uh, that's
1: a long movie, boy. I would I would I'd love to cut a half hour out of that motherfucker. yeah it would be a lot Well longer. it
0: see it posits the question of of um what if Jesus didn't die on the cross? And well, Yeah, in a way it asks well, the question. In a way, but it's interesting because like Judas obviously is 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 in the film and, and is in you know, the quote unquote uh, he's the Judas, if you will. Of the, yeah, the classic. This
1: is a real classic portrayal of Judas in this film. It's it really, I think it really sums up the feeling I was always had, had to have about Judas. And this was, was almost exactly the same as I saw when I was a kid, and what we talked about last week—the the live dramatic uh, telling of the Jesus story with live actors that they do around the country at these places. And this, I, that's really the feeling that I think modern Christianity has of Judas. He's sort of a guy who makes a mistake, and he's sort of the fall guy, and he has to do well, but, what he feels bad but about. But
0: does he make a mistake? I mean, well, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, Jesus throughout, I guess, you know, when he, when he forms his quorum and, and, you know, he's sitting there whatever, smoking hash with his disciples in the desert mm-hmm. talking about love and shit. Uh, he knows that to make this last, to make this his point, if you will, uh, with, with the establishment, that he's going to have to sacrifice himself for the cause. He's going to have to make a display of himself. He's going to have to martyr himself, et cetera, and so on. So how does I mean, he do that's I that?
1: mean, really, that's not really the logic in the Bible.
0: Well then, then it fails me. He to He has to, to be understand. the Lamb of
1: God. He's the sacrifice that's God sent to earth. He has to be killed. Well, for okay, yeah, yeah, That's the whole th- point. Th-
0: yeah, I understand. I, I guess in, well, in actuality, I mean, in the in mechanics of, of, well, of well, I mean,
1: we're gonna we're gonna try to make. I mean, this this whole character of Jesus Christ is a fabrication that's been made over the centuries. Sure. So I mean, who was the man Jesus Christ, which almost certainly existed? There was a guy at Jesus of Nazareth, who was a was a prophet. I mean, how did it really go down? I, well, I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure it was probably of, not as, uh, as, as beautiful as we might. No, there's a guy
0: be. with a book out now called Zealot, I think, and he talks about how uh, rabble-rousers of, of the establishment in Bronze Age Palestine weren't necessarily uh, rare. Jesus was in a long line of, uh, you know, I prophets. guess crazy anti-establishment folks. I mean,
1: what, when that, have we not always had prophets? I mean, most uh, prophets, we call them quacks, and yeah. they have a standoff with the ATF, and everybody gets killed. And every once in a great blue moon, Joseph Smith, they take hold. Right. And yeah. The, and that's just the way it is. There's sure. always There's always a background of nuts. And Jesus so, was, was sort of one of them.
0: He well he was I mean so in reality he,
1: I mean I think we can probably that's a pretty good assumption
0: to make that's it i mean from his, a realistic his story standpoint. yeah his story i wouldn't say is uh unique or uh at all a rarity in, well
1: i mean it's it's it is unique and a rarity in a lot of ways, maybe how it started wasn't but how it ended. well that's, that's what I'm talking
0: way. about, and I'm talking i guess within the scope of the film, which is sort of how i'm I, I, I watched the film I didn't I guess uh, expand it out into its 2000 year legacy
1: Ooh, uh, so you, you win in this film <laughs> now that I have to say that is certainly not how Mel Gibson meant you to watch the
0: film I don't care Nothing. how Mel Gibson wanted me to watch the film, but I, I you know, for for fuck's sake, I, I'm an atheist, and if I'm going to watch a movie, I have to watch the movie unto itself to a certain degree. I understand sort of the importance, obviously, uh, two point some odd billion people are Christians in this world, and how it has uh, percolated down through history, but when I'm watching this, I'm like you know what, I'm going to try to give this as an objective of an eye as I can. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get into the psychology uh, of, I guess, the Jesus character, if you will. As he's portrayed Uh, in this film. As he's portrayed in the film, because Mm -hmm. I want, if he is a man... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in the paranormal. I don't believe in the fantastic. Although I did like Satan and that weird little freakish bald midget that he toted around. Holy shit! Now, I've seen
1: pretty... that bald midget before. I was going to look it up. The the, the, I think the actress wasn't who he in played uh, Time
0: Bandits. Time Bandits. I want to say.
1: I can't. I can't quite remember. But um, the the woman who played the devil or the emperor or Satan Satan the has, Satan herself. Yeah. Yeah. She was really good, I thought she was she was, pretty, she was, it was really good. neat, and it was weird i i don't i mean I, I just don't remember a, that in the gospels uh i mean there's the whole when he when he goes crazy out in the desert and he meets the devil and he gets tempted, but I don't remember it happening during you know the stations
0: oh well i i liked uh I just liked Judas's encounter with that. Under the bridge demon that freaked me the fuck out. That was a nice touch, but I, I like that. Oh, shit. Yeah, that, that I, was it, that
1: was weird. I I didn't quite understand that. I mean, that may. I just was he was Gibson taking license or was he interpreting sure. something that exists in uh, Catholic dogma? Well, it'd be, see, it'd, it'd be tough to know. I bet it, I'll, I'll tell you. I can't you, imagine I don't know. he went out on a limb too far on some of this stuff.
0: I don't know, and I didn't really care, but I thought it was a cinematically uh, uh, effective thing. And like when the kids are laughing at him and te- teasing Judas, and then one of them like turns into that little weird uh, imp of Satan. That just man, that was that was some that was some good shit. I I, I had to I had to give Gibson props on that one because yeah, it that definitely the... was evocative and freaky.
1: It certainly was. I I. I... Be quite honest, it wasn't the favorite part of the film for me. While it was freaky, oh, well. it just didn't seem to make much sense in the story. I mean, Judas is sort of just a, a a means to an end as far as the gospel. As far as I've always considered him. He was somebody He was somebody that had to do something in order for, you know, the puzzle pieces. I mean, the dominoes to fall. And uh, it's interesting. I was interested how he focused so much on Judas. I mean, of all, he didn't spend much time on the uh, the Apostles. I mean, there was um, Peter.
0: Peter. You had to deny him three times, or
1: something yeah, and that's like that. that's a real classic story. And Peter Peter was a real go getter as far as the apostles. I mean, he was he was no Paul, but um, and and then Judas. Those were the two people he really focused on. And um, I, I just thought that was interesting. I, I mean, could it just be he liked the imagery of it? But that what you enjoyed he liked uh, the freakiness of it. I mean, I guess I didn't quite see why it needed to be there when he was focusing so much on on
0: Christ. I thought it was a nice touch. I liked it as sort of a counterweight to the, the, the linear story of Jesus at the end. I, I liked the stuff in the desert with the rotting goat and or the rotting donkey or whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the weird, I guess, uh, uh, imps who were taunting him and, and then the meeting with Satan. I, I don't know. It, it, to me, it was good cinema. I enjoyed that stuff mm-hmm. and uh, it, all the symbolism included so uh anyway i was I was going on about how I was trying to watch this film I wouldn't say in a vacuum but as as- as a psychology study and uh, the thing that i guess it made me question the whole concept of martyrdom a bit, and uh i I kind of find martyrdom detestable i guess from a psychological perspective because here you 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 get it from jesus he's he's talking about uh his martyrdom as an act of love but in my opinion and it's more of an act of hate and i say that uh, i guess with 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 a grain of salt and the fact that uh what is it about what you believe so much that you will force uh the unbelievers around you to, uh, I guess, kill you or torture you, to the point that you you it's like a it's like a weird form of stubbornness or a weird form of of uh, I guess almost suicide is that hey fuck you all you're gonna have to kill me uh, you 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 pieces of shit. And I'm mm-hmm. going to make you do it. And so that's kind of what I got. And I'm like, I don't know where's, you know, it's all, it's all talk about love. But, I, you know, when you're watching this and when you see, I guess, uh, uh, actual, I guess, real-time examples of martyrdom, I get just more hatred than I do of this, of whatever was the uh, message, the original message. And uh, I sort of don't view martyrdom as any kind of heroic act, in my opinion. I view it as something else, and I definitely got that that watching this, that there's a weird, hateful stubbornness that the character of Jesus Christ has towards the establishment such that he's going to make them do something gruesome uh, to him as almost a getting back at them. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense at all?
1: Uh, I mean, I think you're getting at the point of sort of an incongruity in Jesus Christ as portrayed by the Bible. I mean, why preach love your enemy and then force your enemy to do something terrible by your well, own actions? Yeah,
0: yeah. and uh, I mean— the, I think.
1: I think it just blew this whole religion business right out of the water.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, podcast, I don't agree with you
1: generally. I agree with you in the specific case of, of the Jesus character. As well, that's all I have. In this movie. I don't know. In general, I don't think martyrism is a bad thing. Because usually somebody who mar- uh, martyrs themselves usually, except for the odd occurrences, mostly you're doing it because you take on like some sort of suicidal mission. Uh, where you're trying to do violence upon your enemy and you die. I like the guys, uh, the 911 guys.
0: Sure. Martyrs. Yeah, they were all called martyrs planes. actually.
1: Well, I don't think how, how are they not martyrs? To... They're they're that's exactly what they are. Well, that's yeah, the correct and, definition and, of it.
0: And and if you want to if you want to try to slap the most ugliest face on human beings, there you go. Right. Well, I mean, I mean they
1: didn't do it out of love. For they did the it. They did it out of. That they hated the United States. and Now, I, now you can say they were wrong to hate the United States, or you can say they weren't wrong to hate the United States, but that's why they did it, and that's why they martyred themselves for their cause.
0: Well, and, and so, this and, is obviously... And, and, and,
1: and it's, I, don't, I don't see where there's anything particularly... Um, I mean, if that's how you feel, I don't see where there's any incongruity in their thought processes, these guys, the guys who crashed those planes. They seem well, like they made yeah. a pretty logical maneuver on for something they felt strongly about
0: well right and and i guess in in humanity what i find is our greatest weakness and i guess what i find most contemptible is is our adherence to pure ideologies and our lack of pragmatic compromise when it comes to just fucking getting along in the world and, well then uh, then the people
1: who compromise we see them in in spades in this movie and they're they're hated they're they're i mean the pharisees are all about compromise uh the over the 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 governor or whatever the position Pilate. that pilot held is all about compromise i mean both of these both these people are compromised they're copying their own morals they're compromising their own beliefs uh in order to just have things get continue to be get along and the for to continue the status quo Right.
0: Well, and I guess my I mean, people would say, well, so the Pharisees and Pilate
1: are the better people in this movie, the Uh, more reasonable people.
0: I mean, the problem that I guess that 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 I I mean, I'm contradicting myself because uh, I guess my point would be anti-revolutionary, which I don't believe in. I believe that you that that society requires revolution. Uh, at certain points, well, cer- cer-
1: certainly neither of us live that belief. No, in no we don't. way, shape, or form.
0: No, we're complete. Uh,
1: I- I'll compromise uh, when I get up in the morning to when I go to sleep at night. It's all about compromise.
0: Well, and you know, like back to Iraq, they talked about those. I guess the, uh, I guess the the non-Muslims in, in that chunk of territory and of us ISIS crews going around and saying convert or die. And I think at a certain point, I would be like. You know what? Fuck. Okay. All right. Uh, praise Allah. All right. Let me get, let me let, let me get on with it. Right. And then I would uh, find some route of escape, or I would I would I guess take stock, and I would I wouldn't like I just said you know for starters I don't believe religion's worth dying for because I'm not religious. Uh, so right there I I you know you take that big chunk of of uh, sacrifice and ideology out of the equation. Uh, so, I, I, if I'm not a religious person, then all I have left is political ideology. And I like to think of myself as a non-ideologue when it comes to politics. So, uh, I guess I, don't, I haven't been driven to the point of sacrificing myself for a cause. And uh, I guess that needs to happen at certain points. But uh, the, act, the, the personalities involved in that, I guess I find somewhat detestable. Right? Like a necessary evil, if you will. You need revolutionaries to progress, but I don't want to go have a beer with a revolutionary because I think they're kind of assholes. Maybe, yeah, maybe well, that's I just mean, my thing. You need to get
1: turned into a real asshole. And, what's that? And you, you just need to get turned into one for your cause. I guess so. I don't, I, I don't see I, what's so weird about that.
0: Well, I, it just it's, it's not my cup of tea. I guess I just well, find... of course
1: not. It's not your cup of tea until you drink... Drink them from that bitter
0: cup, and then it will be. So, you know, I understood that uh, from the other perspective that uh, the intransience of the human mind wants to kill what, uh, I guess, uh, contradicts a certain outlook like the Pharisees I'm like, Oh fuck man. He's against everything that we've, that we fleshed out everything that we've built everything on the temple, et cetera. Fucking kill the guy, you know, I mean, uh, it's I, very I, reasonable. That stuff happens all the time. We're, yeah, my, we're, my
1: question is why is Pilate always played up as so hesitant of killing some
0: no name
1: prophet? Why does he give a shit? I mean, they of try to make a case for it with his wife in this movie, but, um, in a lot of ways, why does he care? The, he, the, the people he's ruling want some guy that's destabilizing their political structure killed. Why does Pilot give a shit? Just kill him. Well, why does he care?:
0: I, I wouldn't you know, I, care if I, I was pilot. I, I guess pilot's the most uh, Pilot's actually been uh, there was a, a great book by, I forget the Russian novelist called uh, "The Master and Margarita," which is a classic Russian novel. That uh, the main character is is writing a, a novel on uh, Pontius Pilate, and they go into Pilate quite a bit and, and have little vignettes with him as being, I guess, the most enigmatic character of the gospel because he's sort of a um, he's a man that's given a certain level of empathy. And like you said, what does he give a shit? You know, he's just trying to keep the status quo. That's his job.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess I'm never quite sure why the Gospels... I mean, I don't, I don't know strictly from how they're writing. At least the feeling I get. He's always played as somebody who doesn't really want to do it but goes through it anyways. Well... that's worth.
0: I mean, Pilate, I guess, would be the only person that could have stopped the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, he was the only guy who, who could have... Said, you know what? Fuck you guys. I, I'm not going to do this, and uh, you're going to have to stone him in the courtyard or something. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he could have actually uh, changed that that symbology of the cross and the crucifixion. Well, I uh, story I don't, maybe I, I, I don't know if story. that was it
1: was really that simple. I mean, I think this movie portrays it that he's there's certain power structures, and I don't think he could let the the Jewish population kill somebody. It's just that would be against the how things are set up in that uh, the, well, power, it, the power it, of state killing is rests solely in the hands of of the Romans here.
0: Well, right? and it's an interesting sort of window into how the Romans ruled the world, which uh, is a form of colonialization. Mm-hmm. But it was a, I mean, the Romans. I, I think people have a lot of differing opinions about how they ruled the world like through force and at the end of the sword and they just moved giant uh, legions into areas and they occupied but that's not really how they did it they did a lot of their rule of these kind of far-off lands through coercion and adoption of local custom Mm -hmm. and i think they had a lot more carrots than they had sticks Um, so uh, they were maybe more uh, federalized and they controlled like things like commerce Mm -hmm. and uh, defense, but I think beyond that, they let sort of local justice kind of reign, custom reign. They didn't dabble. They didn't convert and that kind of thing. And they sort of got away with it by, uh, you know, for for however long, uh, hundreds of years, because they they had a light footprint. And so the whole thing about i guess the pharisees throwing up jesus like you got to kill him you got to carry through with you know with with our justice uh i think it was an interesting insight into sort of roman politics that i don't know if there's any other story that really captures it as well so you know Pilate's kind of thrown into this conundrum he's there to keep the peace you know that's his main job he's there to
1: keep the money flowing he's there to keep keep well
0: flowing and you you have to keep the peace to do that you have to keep yeah. the local yeah. peace to do that mm-hmm. and so it's important that you know to keep all these folks uh, on the straightener to keep the status quo going yeah keep
1: everybody at work you know i yeah. mean you have an uprising all all of a sudden you're not making money and you're spending money putting down the uprising
0: right so it's almost as if economics really was was the killer of jesus at a certain point right i mean, I it's, mean
1: it's, it's i mean i i th- I mean whenever whenever you're anti-establishment you're always anti uh commerce always there's no way you can disrupt society so much and not have a negative aspect negative influence on commerce
0: well and all revolutions happen out of uh economics and commerce you know I mean it's it's all based on uh haves and have-nots and and uh when there's too much of a disparity in wealth, and you get revolutions, and see that in Russia with the Bolsheviks, you saw that in China with Mao Zedong, you see that uh, in the world right now, and it's a pretty common thing when when the masses aren't able to fulfill their needs due to disparity, then you get sort of an upending of, of the status quo, so... You know. There we
1: go. I think you uh, summed up geopolitics right there.
0: There you go. Okay, so I guess we could go on and on about Jesus, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the realism. And uh, you know, I know you have a, a lot more insight into anatomy and uh, than I do. Oh, you mean I wanna, the scourging? Well, I, I watched this and
1: I was like, oh, "Damn, you lose a blot of blood."
0: I was I like, "Is this he even?" He was looking pretty sickly at the there. At the no, hour. no. I, I well, I was wondering, is is okay? Could any human being do that? Could any human being, uh, you know, as somebody who's fucking tough as nails, could they do what Jesus did? Is that even possible?
1: Uh, I mean, Maybe. I guess it all depends on whether he passes out or not.
0: Well, see, that was the thing. He never passed out. Like the whole thing.
1: Well, maybe, and I wouldn't be surprised that, that you could put somebody through that, certainly not anybody, not everybody, but there's probably some people that could uh, take that punishment to maybe uh, find their sweet release of death on top of that cross.
0: So, okay, so a scourge is like, uh, it's like chains with barbs, right? I
1: mean, he got whipped with some various, like, sort of cat and tails sort of business.
0: Well, then there was something they like whipped him and took a big chunk out of his side. Yeah, that right? that was
1: the. I think that I think that was the. It was the whip with the metal fragments on the end or glass at the on the ends. Okay, of the, of the whip.
0: So, the only thing that I thought, like from a filmmaking standpoint, I just wouldn't he be like? Wouldn't his whole body be just some weird color of purple and pink? It seemed way too fleshy, and it didn't seem like enough blood. Hmm. Maybe I'm I'm nitpicking there. But I
1: don't know. I just, it looked like he lost quite a bit of blood. blood I'm, I'm surprised he but... was still conscious, but um, you know, I don't really know. I mean, uh, the the one thing that, about the about the torture business is the one thing that put me off is how much the people who did it seem to enjoy it so much.
0: Yeah, that was the people well, that really a get bit of get cinematic.
1: off. I mean, is there like like the guys that work for the CIA working on the black sites or down at Guantanamo? I mean, I guess there must be a few of them that really enjoy waterboarding. I mean, it really gets them going.
0: Well, there's, there's sadism is kind of this weird human, like, I don't know. It doesn't seem to serve a purpose. I, 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 that's always one that's confused me. Why human beings get off in making other human beings suffer. And other human beings suffer they don't even have a beef with. Like uh, Roman centurions just beating the fuck out of some, you know, rabble rouser in in the community. Uh, Is that is that genuine? I mean, would they really be like that into just beating the fuck out of a guy? Well, it could be maybe
1: social social. Socially, that was expected of them. So maybe they have to put on a good show, whether or not they really go home and cry or not about it. It doesn't really matter. That's just they so have to look. They it. have to look. I mean, you, you've seen like, you know, I remember like some of the guys in Boy Scouts when they'd sing the songs and things like that. This is one thing that really turned me off to Boy Scouts. They were, they just, they'd be frothing at the mouth. They were so excited to be engaging in these social activities, where were these sort of homogenous social activities that were required. They just loved it. And it always, I mean, I'd see somebody singing. I remember there's this great image that's still in my head of, like we were all lined up singing the song in Boy Scouts. I don't even remember what it was. And um, I think part of it, it was sort of like a game, who could sing it the loudest. And there was a guy that was really into Boy Scouts that was right next to me, and this the spittle was flying <laughs> out of his mouth. He was so excited about participating in the social activity.
0: He was just—he really? was
1: just—he was in like ecstasy, and I just remember—you know—I'm like thirteen or something. Looking, I was like Jesus Christ, <laughs> and I still remember the image. Whenever I see people doing things in unison and them really liking it, I just always think of that moment. It's a, well, how it fre- how much it, how it can really motivate some people.
0: Well, it freaks me out, and maybe that's just kind of the punk rock in me. I I, I whatever. Any like if there 's a group of people it has it may be three or four that really want to do something or are really into something it 's almost as if duty calls me to go yeah no i 'm not into that or i don't want to be into that or there's something suspect there 's too many fuckers that are into this I mean, shit there's that this I, thing, can't, I can't can 't get down with it
1: there's a thing that drives me nuts every time I go down to the soccer game that like when the game starts just before the game starts, they have a little song that everybody sings in the crowd and they do this thing where you clap your hands twice everybody in the stadium and then you put put then you put both arms up sort of forward like well like the one-handed salute the nazis did but with both hands (laughs) so it's everybody in the stadium going clap clap and then the hands go up and then clap clap and the hands go up and it's like oh man i feel like i'm in some stadium and under mussolini's rule in world war ii in italy when everybody's doing it. it. just gives me the creeps every every time i go to a game
0: See, that doesn't seem to... That wouldn't be giving me the... because It's just really? soccer. And, like, who cares? It's not like you're... Uh, you well, know, I
1: mean, it could uh, be anything. It could be about, you know, killing the queers or whatever. Well, no, whatever see, gets society if did, worked I, up I'd say...
0: Time. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I just... I, anything other than soccer or uh, sporting... Uh, Although sports Well, is sporting events like are sort of a standing. proxy to that. Give people that yeah. experience
1: without having to do it in real life, you know? I mean, well, they, I they think they that's why sport to... is so important because it's a proxy... For a lot of these feelings that people a lot of people yeah, know.
0: they allow you to innocently get out your your sort of tribal compulsions of mm-hmm. us versus them it's, i don 't really it's, have
1: them though they, they just sort of weird me out at the games yeah do
0: i don 't have an us versus them sort of uh, uh, psychology i 've tried to sort of maybe de- indoctrinate because it 's so easy to do. So easy to fall into that, you know. Too, uh, and it's 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 you know it's our animal brain. It, it it made it work for a very long time having the us versus them uh, sort of tribal mind. But uh, I guess when you get a civilization as big as ours and as interconnected as ours, it just it just fucking causes a lot of problems, and it's not very healthy. And it weirds me out, and I don't like anything to do with it. So. Anyway, I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about the Roman centurions beating the fuck out of Jesus, and uh, yeah, I, why I were know. they why were they into it, and how come they got so much out of it, and it it I don't know if that was just a cinematic. Detail. It sure seemed like a lot of hard work. Just beating the fuck out well, of well, those guy guys. Like,
1: I, I I did like the portrayal. That, like those guys were really working hard. Like they were out of breath, and they were like trying yeah. to one up each other about how, how how hard they could scourge Jesus.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, just, uh, you know.
1: I, I don't know. I just There's so many sadistic people in this movie, and and maybe that's how the world really is, but I don't like to think about it. So that left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Though, a lot of those scenes were pretty impressive.
0: So, uh, Mel got um, a rashing of shit in this movie for being anti-Semitic, and it's no secret that he, he goes off about the Jews in Hollywood all the time in drunken rages. Oh, but I think
1: there's, like, one thing where he recorded when he was drunk, pulled over for drunk driving. Is it sugar on tits, rant? those fucking Jews in
0: Hollywood kind of thing? Yeah, Man. that's I, it. Isn't that it? I, yeah, something like that. I don't know. Uh, who cares? Uh, well, the thing drunk. is, is I, I, I was like, you know, I, I don't think you'll find... A, uh, a corner of society that that is as sensitive to disparaging remarks as the Jewish community and maybe that's anti-Semitic and saying that it myself <laughs> but uh, I watched this and I was like okay is this I mean is this painting the Jews in the bad light uh, maybe well, but I mean, they were the is establishment. It, it, how do you not what well, the
1: establishment?
0: As Without rewriting poor, history, when you're
1: talking about when we talking about Jesus, who was very anti-establishment, of course the yeah. establishment's going to be portrayed poorly. I don't. Well, I don't, who don't else was left
0: he... around? To who else was la- left around to persecute the guy? You I mean, know, who wanted him um, dead? The, the The people that happened to be living or happened to hold power in the society, which was the Pharisees. Yeah, the I don't people know who else there would have been? Power he threatened. Right? Yeah, and so uh, were 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 they were they depicted? I guess as sort of sinister and evil, as no, much as then, anybody like, holds know, power man, in a society. I can't, I can't,
1: I couldn't, I can't believe how anybody really would say that. I mean, if people were saying that, they're just they're not really thinking about what they're oh, saying. Oh God! Well, Howard Indiana Stern had like
0: a whole fucking radio show where he bitched about Mel Gibson in the well, past. Howard of the Stern's Christ. a fucking idiot. Well, no, but. I wouldn't say that he's uh, uh, very far from sort of the uh, Jewish mindset when it comes to that fact, you know, uh, overly sensitive about um, the slightest uh, stereotypical depiction. All right. Look, I, I, mean, I mean,
1: why should you know, we, then he can go ahead and be mad or anybody who you know who takes that their culture real seriously and they'd never want to see it portrayed poorly. I mean, look at there's just plenty of just straight up. You know, gun-toting Americans who get all worked up whenever America is portrayed badly, no matter how true or false it is. I mean, some people are just going to get worked up over this stuff because they're super protective of what they consider themselves to be aligned with, and uh, I don't think how it's so unnatural for people to say that. It doesn't just, but it doesn't mean that their outrage has any standing in any real way.
0: Well, I thought all the criticism was a bit of horseshit. I thought it was just, and and I think it was only um, really there because Mel has been on tape saying all kinds of crazy shit about the Jews in Hollywood. Well, let's let's so, talk. I
1: mean, let's talk about the criticism a little bit, and then let's get to the review. So right. one thing that, that sort of pissed me off after I watched this movie is the whole Trey Parker Matt Stone business. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> I was I was wondering about that. About that, uh, you
1: know, I've seen that episode where they have a big. Mm-hmm. It's sort of stupid. I mean, in hindsight, you know, I didn't really like that episode that much. I didn't see what's so great about it. But in, in a way, it's such a cheap shot. And I think maybe Trey Parker and Matt are sort of cheap shot artists. They are. I mean, they sort of have to be for the amount of material they produce. They just right. got to look at the low-hanging fruit, you know, and then fuck the shit out of it every week. And they do. And, and this is exactly what they did in, in their episode. No, I mean, they're sort of dicks. I mean they're very creative dicks and they produce some good stuff that I've enjoyed, but they're sort of dicks.
0: Well, it was a kind of a pile on. I, I you know, I think they're at their best when when they do uh, maybe more salient criticism of things and not the easy big targets, you know. And they they get the easy big targets all the time, like oh, Michael Jackson's a ghoulish pedophile. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, uh, but for this, I. What was the what was the main criticism? That it's a two-hour it snuff film.
1: That it was like a snuff movie. Was that it?
0: Yeah, that was it. That, that it
1: wasn't a good movie, and that uh, they should get their money back for seeing it. Basically, the, yeah. the criticism was: uh, "Passion of the Christ is not a good movie." And right, and Mel Gibson's a raving lunatic who shits all over people.
0: Right, and and my problem, and this is one of the reasons I watched this when it came out on DVD. Is I guess I was fed up um, with. Uh, the hype, and you know, this was hyped by the right wing in our country, and and uh, you know, there was Fox News defending Mel Gibson twenty four seven, and you know, all these anecdotes about mega churches giving away tickets to uh, you know for free to go see it, and and people like being overcome and having heart attacks in the aisles after watching. And I was like, okay, so this is this is a this is a, a Southern Baptist fucking wet dream of a movie. Um but that didn't tell me if it was any good or not, you know, and I wanted to see if the movie was any good and so I went and I rented it and I knew a lot of people I was like well you 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 watch the passion you actually you blah, 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 blah. And I'm like you know fuck you man i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna watch uh Passion of the Christ and uh uh you know the uh, the Go ahead and judge it for myself. And I did. And I said, you know what? It's it, Despite its content or d- despite the uh, obvious uh, Christian world that this movie is couched in, it's a decent movie. It's done well. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. For the uh, most part. It, you, know, you know it's all, I guess, as literal as uh, Mel Gibson could make it, including the use of Latin and Aramaic, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: I thought it was. Uh. I thought it was really effective. Some great performances by some European, uh, sort of not movie star actors. Like the person who right. plays Mother Mary, she is very good. I guess she's a, a well known but Romanian, strictly Romanian actress.
0: Okay, uh, I liked Pilot's portrayal. I thought yeah, that, that was, was pretty well done. good.
1: He's a uh, he's like an Eastern European guy too. Though he he's been in a couple of action movies. I guess he's sort of buff.
0: Uh, and I like the flamboyant decadence of Herod. That was kind of funny. I, I swear to
1: God, I've seen that actor before. That was a that was a fun little part of the movie. You forget about well, Herod.
0: And what I liked, and this is something that uh, I guess I, I really enjoyed about Apocalypto, is the scene in Apocalypto where uh, the kid. prisoner... What's that? The fat kid. <laughs> the fucking fat kid is when the prisoners uh, get taken to the Mayan capital and none of them have been there before. Mm-hmm. And the the, the just, I don't know how it's not that long. It's like 10 minutes from from the point at which they enter the city to the point where they're up on top of the pyramid.
1: It was like a couple day walk.
0: I I don't think I've ever seen in film something so alien and terrifying as that Mayan city. With the the especially with the fucking sacrifices on top of the pyramid and that fat little oh my god and so you get a little bit of that with like the King Herod scene you get like oh my god what the fuck is going on here this is fucking crazy shit man and I don't know who King Herod was he was he was he was sort of the because um, Pilate was the viceroy or the governor but King Herod I guess was the um, what I think, I think it was I think
1: it was the the monarch of the vassal kingdom,
0: and I don't know what purpose he served because it seems like he would be in conflict with 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 the uh, the Romans. But well, I mean
1: he he. I think he, the idea is it's just this tiered structure, where the Romans, the governor has ultimate power, but then the people govern themselves in whatever the custom is.
0: So and Herod was just a think part was, of that. I think custom. he was
1: like the king of that region,
0: right. Yeah, yeah, and they probably had some sort of, um, I guess, well-functioning organization. Or, yeah, I mean, I uh, they,
1: they think it was part of the co-opting of the, the. What do you mean? What do you call that? The, you know, just laws and law and order and all that. Um, yeah, you, you needed to have that for a productive society to exist.
0: So I, I like the care that that he took, just showing you. Uh, a bit of history that should be... I mean, we always get this typical costume uh, epics in cinema, but Gibson has a nice way of just putting a like a, an alien twist on, on some of these, these historical events that uh, lets you know that maybe the way that we think of history or we think of, of certain scenes in history isn't exactly the way it looked, and I, I kind of think that's cool.
1: I guess I, I guess I don't quite follow the use of... Well, I don't qualify your whole point or the use of... I don't quite follow... what Alien? I, I, don't, I don't quite see what you mean.
0: It's just different. Like, you wouldn't have thought that. You would have thought, like, uh, you know, King Herod looked like, I don't know, any other king of history and just sat there with a crown on his head and uh, conducted himself in some sort of uh, regal ball. manner. Yeah, but no, instead he was just kind of this weird hedonist. <laughs> so.
1: yeah, I mean, I, I guess... Um, I mean I guess it's it's own i mean it's colorful i don't know how that's close what I mean. it colorful represents truth or anything i mean well, yeah, I, I don't I, mind I, that i I enjoy his eye i think he has a great i think yeah Milcomson has a great sense for what to put on the film i don't know well, if i didn't with, mean to I, know hump where, the I whole, don't know if he works with this particular d p or uh a d that really help bring that out or if that's really his singular focus that brings that out, but it's pretty impressive.
0: I didn't mean to hump the whole alien thing. I j- just said, give you a little something you hadn't seen before uh, from, like, in a historical movie. And, well, it, you uh,
1: know, it's better than, like, some TV movie. TV presents the Bible.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just fucking yawn, yawn, fucking yawn, you know, with, like, little trickles of blood coming out of Jesus' crown of thorns and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, we have a fairly lengthy review here, so we should probably get to it
1: ebert reviewed the film uh, on the 24th of february 2004 gave it four out of four stars um He starts off saying this movie is 126 minutes long, and I would guess that at least 100 of those minutes, maybe more, are concerned specifically and graphically with the details of torture, of the torture and death of Jesus. You know, this movie was two hours long, but it certainly seemed a lot shorter. It just flew by. I don't know if you had that feeling about this movie. It was really engrossing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why, because it's so little happens in this film
0: well and that's to me why it's a but man that's the movie why it's just
1: good, flies by
0: well and that's why it's a good movie i mean that's yeah. why it's it keeps your attention for two hours and you think it's a lot shorter than it is so it's real
1: yeah. i mean it's, it's it's really impressive how i was i when i sat down to watch it i didn't want to watch it uh been oh. in sort of a grumpy mood for the last couple of weeks but uh boy i really did enjoy it once i finally sat down um <clears throat> let's see here um it is clear that Mel Gibson wanted to make a graphic and inescapable, wanted to make graphic and inescapable the price that Jesus paid for the whole Lamb of God business. And I guess he did that. Um, then he goes on to talk about his Catholic upbringing, which I think is probably really important. Um, he says the screenplay is not so much inspired by the Gospels, but as by the 14 stations of the cross, which neither of us are familiar with. And that's I think that really probably detracts our enjoyment of the film. He says, as an altar boy uh, serving during the stations on Friday nights in Lent, I guess that's something you do, I was encouraged to meditate on Christ's suffering, and I remember the chants uh, as the priest led the way from one station to another, and he has a little bit from the stations of the cross. Uh, so you can see how, from a Catholic's point of view, this movie is all about that, a ritual well, that Catholics carry out. It's too bad maybe we don't have experience with that.
0: And maybe that's why this is an important movie, because like you said, if, if you're an altar boy and, you, you know, you're acting out these stations, there, there isn't any sort of visceral urgency about mm-hmm. acting those out. It's like, meditate on Christ's suffering. I'm like, I don't know what that looks like. What's and they that read look a little like? bit of poetry. You know? You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I could see how this could be really moving for somebody who's religious in Catholic or like Eber, who's moved away from the church but had that upbringing yeah i mean even i mean we both enjoyed it, but we didn't have that so it's interesting that you didn't have to you don 't have to know about the stations of the cross to still enjoy the film
0: well and, for me it was it was more of a of, of a psychological study of an actual human being than all the uh i guess the uh you know formalism and canon of of the jesus story i just was i was moved by uh, I guess, this, the the human element more than anything. That's all I have. So, anyways.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's really all you have in this it. movie.
0: That's it. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Huh. So, I mean, what, if he was truly a man, which I think we all mm-hmm. kind of believe, uh, then a man went through this experience and... Uh, um, that's something. Let's see what... The, I mean, come on, man. Like, if you had a time machine, you had a few things you could do, like you know what I think I want to see that last twelve hours of the Jesus crucifixion. I want to see how shit really went down. You know, I, I'd I'd be up for it. Uh, I'd like to see
1: one of those classic old English. Uh, what do you call it? Drawn and quartered executions.
0: Yeah, where just they give me it.
1: Where they hang you until you're almost dead, and then they rouse you, and then they cut off your genitals and show them to you, yeah. and then they behead you, and then they quarter your body. See <laughs> if there's ever a time.
0: If there's ever a time you're going to drop a tab of acid. That would be oh. the time. <laughs> oh shit! Maybe some mushrooms. Oh, they God. didn't have acid. Exactly drop some not mushrooms. The time. I want to take a time machine, go back, and drop some mushrooms and watch Jesus get crucified. There's and the only place I'd pressure. ever
1: drop acid was if I was in the middle of King Herod's harem, and I was just going to get <laughs> blowjobs for the
0: next six hours. That was the only time I've ever. <laughs> and then that. you're going to stumble out and watch Jesus get crucified at the end. No, I would fall
1: into a deep, uh, uh, like. Uh, some sort of deep drug-induced haze. You, uh,
0: you can imagine like there's there's one guy who's still up. He's like, come on, man. They're going to crucify that Jesus guy. Let's go out and check it out. I'm getting a PJ. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Have, take these mushrooms first. It's going to be wild.
1: <laughs> no, I would not want to do that. Um, <clears throat> anyways, he says um, uh, that um, what Gibson has provided for me for the first time in my life is a visceral, is a visceral idea of what the passion consists of. He calls it the passion he it's a capital P. I think it means the 14 stations of the cross. Um, he says, even though in the movie we only get a few passing references to the teachings of Jesus. And he says, I suppose it, that's not the point of the movie, the teachings
0: of Jesus. They didn't uh, seem like the point, that's for sure.
1: It's. He says, this is not a sermon or a homily, but a visualization of the central event in the Christian religion. Take it or leave it. I think that's I think that's true.
0: Well yeah, and that's and maybe that's why I, I I the the lack of preachiness of this film is is perhaps why I enjoyed it way more. Um it's it's I guess uh, s- objective to a certain degree Yeah, take makes it, or it palatable leave it. to a Yeah, that makes it palatable to a wider audience and I guess that's kind of why I got PO'd that it got uh so dismissed uh by the secular amongst us. You know, that, I was like, oh, that fucking Gibson. I was like, it's a good movie. Just yeah. fucking watch the movie.
1: So Ebert laid down the law there, right? He said, this yeah. is what this movie is, and if you don't like it too bad. You'll never guess what he spends the next page of this review doing. <laughs> Pulling his punches. All right, first poll. He says, um, <laughs> he quotes another reviewer that Ebert says he re- respects, a guy named David Anson. He says, uh, quoting Anson, the relentless gore is self-defeating. I felt abused by a filmmaker intent on punishing the audience. Uh, And uh, so then Ebert says in response to uh, that quote, this is a completely valid response to the film. And that's just not true. It's not a valid response to the film. You can, you can certainly be abhorred by it and not like the film because of it. But I don't see why I have to tell you, I have to say that that response is valid.
0: Uh, no. Because without it, you'd get a yawner of a film. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know.
1: Does it mean, uh, the uh, mean the film should have made some changes? The film doesn't, shouldn't have made any changes. As far well, uh,
0: the thing about this movie is the, the, the crux. Is that is that is that a literal pun? I don't know. The crux of the matter uh, is that pain and suffering is the fulcrum about which uh, Christ is is suffering for quote unquote our sins. Uh you know, you you have to have it's not so much about getting nailed to the cross. Fuckers I guess were getting nailed to the cross all the time. That's those two other dudes that were that were hanging next to him. You probably mm-hmm. know their names. But uh, uh it wasn't something that was uh you know, like, um, yeah, getting nailed to the cross is one thing. Being scourged and then having a crown of thorns wrapped around your head. And then, you know, the, the level of, of, of torture was, I think, beyond the pale of even the Roman justice system. Uh, so, I mean, not that it didn't happen in history, but you had to get a sense of some pain. Um, Pretty to- sure
1: those guys, they had like a good 20 guys Employed just in the scourging department of the uh, <laughs> of the uh, of the of the Roman uh, you know oversight council there. So yes. something tells me they did it on a regular basis.
0: Well, they did it on a re- but you needed yeah and it, and and it was you needed to 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 make the point you needed to have that in there. You needed, to, I think, to have that level of violence. Uh, I you know some of it went on a little long, but I it I needed to be there. I don't. I think pulling the punches with that would diminish the whole point of the movie all right
1: so uh, he goes on to address the anti-semitism claims uh as you might expect he would um talking about uh i don't know how to, the, the the main pharisee uh is that his name they were the pharisees the priest I, I, the jewish I, I, priest I, I whatever uh, yeah. uh i don't know how, they pronounce all the names differently in the films but here he calls them see office is that right
0: uh okay sure yeah uh, he was I the main
1: know. guy the main priest um he says um that sea is not seen as sympathetically as pilot. And uh, then he goes to talk about another critic, Stephen gray, Dennis uh, said that, and he quotes him here. The film omits the canonical line from John's gospel in which sea argues that it is better for one man to die for the people than the, the and a nation be saved as a result. And uh, I mean, that's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty, um, you know, That's a that's a pretty reasonable political stance to
0: make. Well, that was kind of the point I was making earlier, mm-hmm. you know. About, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, I think we can all quo. read
1: that into that character. Anybody who's reasonable, anyways, yeah. uh, he continues to quote great- greatness, saying that had Gilbson retained this line, perhaps, perhaps giving Siaphus a measure of inner conflict that he gave Pilate. It, could have underscored the similarities between Caiaphas and Pilate and helped to diffuse the issues of anti-Semitism. So okay, I guess I guess he did well, due diligence to talk about.
0: But that. But then he also mentioned that hey, everybody else who 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 begs mercy for Jesus are all everybody's Jewish in this movie.
1: Yeah, he goes for, on he goes, except
0: for the Romans. I mean, it's so you know, it's, they come in all shades and colors and you just were uh looking at the uh uh i guess the the holders of power of a community and yeah. that's not really and that's not really a, a a a fair depiction of a community in general so you know because those people were depicted as such doesn't necessarily mean that the entire uh people are depicted in a certain way yeah
1: and he goes on to say that saying and even you know, the positions of the priests. you can understand it. they're trying to hold their community together and they can't have somebody turning everything on its head. It's very reasonable. But Ebert doesn't just stop there. He goes back to really pull his punch, saying that you can't really hold anybody responsible for the death of Jesus because he died by God's will uh, uh, to fulfill his purpose.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> Talk about pulling yeah. your punch. That's a ex pole punch. A Dusek's pull punch. And, uh,
0: uh, deuce Pussy, pussiest pussy, or whatever.
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. And, uh, all right. So we got, we got past that. Um, thank God. Um, so he goes on to say, let's see here. This discussion will seem beside the point for readers who want to know about the movie, not the theology. So I think he's talking about all the baggage that comes along with this movie. And that, that really comes to you and I, right? Maybe you yeah. more so. Um, uh, yeah. But The Passion of the Christ, more than any other film I can recall, depends on theological considerations. So Uh. he's sort of saying that that's that's sort of what got me by this review here. He's saying that I think he says you sort of need the theology behind this movie for its its ultimate weight to hit you. And I think I think he's right, even though the movie stands on its own for you.
0: Well, I think you need the context. Um, but I, I don't think the idea of, of dying for what you believe in is in, is something that you need to be steeped in Christian theology about. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I so I mean I, it's
1: a bit of a disagreement
0: here. I mean, I guess you can you you know you pile on the symbolism of the Lamb of God and dying for our sins, which to me always seemed to really poor way to proselytize Christianity because to me that doesn't make any fucking sense and still doesn't to this day I know I've had it explained to me a million times but if you're out in the jungles of the Amazon and you're trying to uh, influence uh, a heathen it's like, well who's this guy well he died for your sins what the fuck does that mean you know and I'm a person obviously that doesn't necessarily believe I don't believe in sin I believe in failure of morality but I don't believe in sin and so, to me, that's sort of an abstract notion to begin with, and then dying for this abstract notion. who are you again? you know it's 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 weird, and that to me is is uh, something that I know people often repeat it as a matter of rote, but I don't think they really understand it. I don't understand it. Uh, I think you have to make some obviously leaps of faith to understand it, but at that point. It, it's just so abstract. I mean, uh, I guess
1: I, I guess I don't see what's so weird about it. It's just part of it's part of the theology. It's part of the it's part of the myth. It's part I mean, of the I guess functions. you can say that it's this man—it's the world that the myth creates—that that, certain things need to be met, and Christ dying meets these certain conditions that have been set out by a omniscient,
0: all powerful being. I just don't you know why see? it wasn't couched differently. Like this man died to deliver god's message to you no no that's okay. not why he died well see then he, di- he
1: then... died to bear your sins there has to be a sacrifice to wash sins clean it's a classic
0: he's classic so he's the scapegoat of,
1: of uh these abrahamic religions he is the lamb of god literally or is he is he the, is the scapegoat? lamb he is the lamb that you sacrifice on the altar of the temple
0: is he the scapegoat of our God?
1: No, no, it, no. It, it it has nothing. There's that, just there's a I thing understand. called sin, and it needs to be purified. And that's just the way it is. And it can only be purified by blood. That is just that's just like first sentence is how the, this is how the goddamn universe works. And that's just that's how it so works. So
0: abstract. It's still a so abstract. It's just for
1: me. it's just made up bullshit. But that's, well, just, I know, that's but a cornerstone of it.
0: On all primitive religions, have forms of sacrifice. It's it's obviously nothing new. It's almost uh, part of our forebrain. Well, I'm, uh, I'm not saying
1: it's nothing new. I think the whole idea of the Christ being the sacrifice was a new revolutionary idea, and maybe something yes, that helped so, Christianity take off.
0: I don't know. It's so weird. It's like I I think I can understand the primitive mind fairly easily because I I have one in my head, but when I try to get into this idea of of sacrificing things or live beings to a higher power it's just bizarre to me it's still bizarre like you know whether it's like a pagan sacrifice a la the wicker man to uh you know the mayans cutting out dudes hearts for the sun god to jesus being the last sacrifice for uh to to appease a god it's just so weird it's just so bizarre to me but Anyway, that's yeah, me. Well, I, mean,
1: that's, so. I mean, it is bizarre, but that's just that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, he goes on to compliment Gibson that uh, Gibson has not made a movie. This is interesting because he talks before we knew the long term success of this film. Gibson has not made a movie that anyone would call commercial, and if it grosses millions, that would not be because anyone was entertained.
0: <laughs> what, what? the The uh, Braveheart like made a gazillion dollars. I don't know what he's talking about, but. Anyway,
1: I don't. I don't think this movie made its money because you or I saw it, because you specifically saw it and were entertained by it. That was not the brunt majority of people who oh, no. saw this movie.
0: No, that's true. It, it did, did make its money. It, it, it but did but not make wasn't...
1: its money based on the fact that it was a really great
0: movie. That's true. Um, though it certainly it made the, a ton the, of money. I guess it made a ton of money in the Arab world. Because of the allegations of anti-Semitism. Oh, really? So, yeah,
1: yeah. They like they like seeing the the Jewish priest portrayed in the negative light.
0: I, I, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, which right. is a pretty which is a pretty low rent reason to go see the Passion didn't, of the Christ. Did
1: some low rent movie director make like an anti oh was anti Muslim movie that started making money? Yeah, what was that? Fuck, man. I forget what they called that. Anyways. uh, the he Muslim
0: says, world really needs to get a critical eye for film. He says,
1: well, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's just after people stop blowing up their houses, they'll get around. Yeah, there. right. Uh, yeah. He says Gibson has put his up his artistry has put his artistry and fortune at the service of his conviction and belief, and that doesn't happen often. I think he's right there. That's true. Yeah. He says uh, strangely. He says his movie isn't about performances. I disagree there, but it does have some powerful ones. He says the movie also isn't about technique, although it is awesome
0: well yeah uh, and he says
1: or music the the music didn't seem that inspired to me it sort of reminded me of like peter gabriel stuff from the last temptation of christ yeah it's like they just lifted it wholesale if if there was anything this movie had a problem where it wasn't really original was that it really just stole that but that gabriel soundtrack to the last temptation of christ is fucking awesome
0: yeah it's an awesome soundtrack
1: so i i I, uh i certainly forgive them there um Okay, here's here's the just finishing up the review. He has a sentence here. Well, it's two sentences. I cannot for the life of me understand what he's saying. So I'm going to read them to you and then maybe you could tell me what he means. First sentence. It is a film about an idea. Okay. I mean, it's a film about an idea. I guess that's sort of a mealy-mouth sentence, right?
0: Well, um, is it I mean, that's like it's a film with a theme. Alright, what right, film has a strong have... theme? Has a
1: singular focus. We've talked about that. All right, fair enough. Yeah. The next sentence: an idea that it is necessary to fully comprehend the passion if Christianity is to make any sense.
0: It's a poorly worded sentence. but I think, I think I see, I can't I th-
1: make heads or tails of that goddamn sentence. I,
0: I think what he's trying to say is, if you're a Christian. Uh-huh. Uh, Passion of the original definition, meaning pain and suffering. Uh-huh, of course, that you you need to understand the level of pain and suffering that that Jesus went through in order to uh, embrace the whole concept of that particular religion.
1: Right, fair enough. Okay, it's that's good.
0: poorly. It's a poor sense. <laughs> I could not get, it,
1: I No, I think I think that's what he meant there. I just could not yeah. wrap my head around that. Uh, one last. He has a footnote on this review where he takes a stab at the MPAA. He says, I have said that this film is the most violent I've ever seen. The MPAA's R rating is definite proof that the organization either will never give an NC-17 rating for violence alone, or it was intimidated by the subject matter. If it had been anyone but Jesus up on that cross, I have a feeling that NC-17 that NC seventeen would have been automatic. I think he's probably right on that. But he likes he's taking stabs the
0: Yeah, and isn't that weird? And I guess that's one of the criticisms of Christianity is the uh, goriness of the whole uh, symbology, especially the cross, which is everywhere. And, you know, you go into a church... And the first thing that you're greeted by is sort of a a, a mannequin um, up on the cross. Yeah, it's called, it's called the
1: crucifix,
0: right? The crucifix, and it is particularly gory, and it's it's uh, it, it is a bit of an idol, which is something that like Islam uh, doesn't partake in. They oh, they, they dismiss all forms of idol, idol, idol idolatry. Uh, and even one as gory as this one, it's weird. They it's, take the Ten Commandments pretty
1: seriously. It's
0: really weird. I, I will say that, anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's a very visceral piece of iconography
0: that Christianity has to it. Yeah, there's nothing else, there's no other religion like it that has that. Like, uh, the, you know, uh, religion has its, its symbols uh, and depictions of gods and things. But nothing just so particularly gory. <laughs> it's just pretty this. visceral. I like it. Yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I can't even think of anything that comes close to it. Uh,
1: right. Maybe in some of the Eastern. There's a lot of imagery yeah. in, like, Hinduism, isn't there?
0: Yeah, but, you know, Hinduism, you just get, like, the multi-armed Shiva. And, you know, Ganesh, well, there's so the many gods. God. There's probably
1: all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah,
0: like Kali's a little bit crazy. Um, but... Uh, Buddhism, you know, just get that kind of passive.
1: But this is like a man on an execution device.
0: Yeah, it's like a dude in a like I don't know, like a dude in an electric chair, electric chair with his Look, brains think, on I fire. I think what we could
1: say, it's metal. It's, it's <laughs> you know, I think Striper had something there. There's something about Christianity that's metal.
0: It's very metal. Yeah, I will say that having some dude just bleeding out. Uh, with a fucking crown of thorns up on some kind of uh, execution device uh, that you pray to is is very metal. So here, um, hear. hear. <laughs> yeah, you gotta respect that, <laughs> right? I, I did, I, I did want to, you know, since I am an atheist, I did, I tried to empathize as best I could with with the Jesus predicament, and I came up with an analogy, and I just wanted to relay it to you and our fans. I was like, okay, so you know, he's sitting there, he's going, okay. I, I'm, I, 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 I gotta go through this, right? I, I gotta, you know, this, I gotta be persecuted in order for this to hit home and for me to, uh, uh, absolve humanity of its sins, et cetera, and so on. And then what, okay, so if I can just get through that, I got paradise, right? I mean, as esoteric of a concept as paradise really is. Mm, I think in paradise Christianity. may
1: have a specific meaning that's different in, in it, Catholicism. I think you mean heaven.
0: Well, heaven, but I'm just – he uses the word paradise in the film, Mm. right? Because he's the guy next to him that that says, uh, I want to see you later. Let's get a beer later uh, up on the cross. And he goes, yeah, man, just uh, uh, – I will carry you and we'll be in paradise together and so on, Mm. et cetera, and so on. It was like the first guy that – like on his deathbed, that if he converted to Christianity, then everything would be okay, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was trying to like, okay, what, you know, I don't believe in an afterlife. I think when you're dead, you're just dead, and it's like going to sleep, and you never wake up. But I was thinking, what's it like, you know, what kind of mindset? And all I could come up with was, uh, in order for me to go to Hawaii, I have to go through the airport first. And if you listen to the podcast enough, you know that uh, for me, the airport is a form of scourging. Uh, it's all I have really in my life as far as sort of a, a, a punishment. Uh, and I was like, you know, going through that fucking metal detector, like carrying the cross, you know, dealing with uh, TSA, sort of like the Roman centurions beating on me, uh, wandering through those like concourse with people and. Is uh, sort of like uh, you know the 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 hill up to Golgotha with my cross, and I just sucking. I fucking hate flying. You really, should check that so cross, much.
1: man. There's no reason to
0: carry it on. Uh, they let you through. It doesn't have any metal in it, so you know you can. You, you just you have to disassemble those those two halves and then shove it through the metal detector, and they're cool with it. Strangely. But uh, anyway, <laughs> they just get pissed at you when you're trying to assemble it in your in your in your airplane seat. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's all I had. I was like, I, it's just like to go to Hawaii, I must go through the airport. That's it. That's all I got. That's well, all. That's as close as an analogy and yeah, get to boy, the Jesus afterlife one, one
1: Pale comparison. That's
0: all I got, man. It's all I got in the world. <laughs> but you know, but then you're sitting on that beach having a pina colada, and it's like fucking all worth it. Like I am in paradise now. And all it took was a five-hour plane trip in cramped conditions uh, uh, and a little humiliation, and here I am. So,
1: well, I mean, if that's what you got. I think you should hang on to it.
0: So I got to say, atheist analogy for the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it was funnier when I was thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right so we don't have a movie because we're going on hiatus uh we have i think 132 podcasts out there actually this will be 132 That's right. set it so if you uh have just skipped around you like us and you've just skipped around the movies that you've uh only watched and I recommend going back and maybe picking up one of those movies that uh, you haven't seen in our catalog and check it out, and then listen to us. So uh, you can do a lot of uh, back listening, if you will. Um, but uh, we'll be yeah, back. N- n-
1: probably not before like episode nine or ten.
0: Yeah, before before after we we got decent mics and became less tinny. I think was, uh, I did listen to a road warrior podcast Mm -hmm. uh, recently and yeah, the sound was kind of crap, but our format was settling out because, uh, that was our third podcast and we didn't really know what we were doing. And so we would like, uh, I think lost highway was probably, I haven't listened to it since we did it, but we had just watched the movie. And we were, like, trying to review it five minutes later without sorting out our thoughts and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that lasted for
1: all of one time that we did that.
0: Yeah, and then we gave up on that because that just took a lot of time. And then we reviewed uh, American Werewolf in London, and we reviewed it sequentially. Like, we were just kind of stepping through the movie, which was a little odd. And then it was, like, the road where we just went free form after that. I think that's kind of how we've stayed for the—
1: I mean, it's uh, a pretty simple uh, format.
0: Yeah, and then we've added some things like you added the review. I don't know if we had when we started adding the review.
1: It was pretty the, early. Well, yeah. we, were, we were reading it beforehand, and I wanted to I wanted to read it cold in the middle of the podcast so we could react to it without any pre knowledge. And I think that's and that's fun. worked
0: well because uh, it it I guess allows the listener to sort of reflect on um, to know that. We we weren't leveraging any of Ebert's material to form our own opinions prior to watching it, so mm-hmm. uh, if we were surprised or disagreed, it, yeah, that's worked out. I think it's well.
1: interesting. Sometimes we agree with him. Sometimes we disagree, and he'll agree with one of us. And sometimes Ebert's drunk. We've we've learned. Yeah, that's that.
0: right. And some yeah, sometimes he's just a bleeding hard pussy. <laughs>
1: you know, well, the other uh, too.
0: Yeah, but uh, Ebert R.I.P. We wouldn't. uh, I don't know if we'd have a show without the guy. He's uh, definitely left his mark. I haven't seen that movie. It's on Netflix. It's called something about life or life. Yeah, life
1: or something like it or something like that. I I think it was playing at the Metro or somewhere. I was thinking to go and seeing it, but I couldn't quite get my shit together. It's
0: on Netflix Instant.
1: Oh, is it? So you can, oh. Yeah, you can catch hmm. it on
0: there. And uh, I wanted to see Milius. There's a documentary about Milius. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. In and, and Jodorowsky's Doom, did that come out yet?
0: Yeah, uh, I haven't seen that either. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm behind in my documentaries. A lot of interesting coming people. out. So maybe yeah. I should
1: try to go see a couple movies in during our hiatus without I the, just, without the podcast looming over my head that I have to like. I mean. I mean, I rarely watch movies that I'm not watching for the podcast.
0: Yeah, me neither. So it'll be a I different know.
1: experience. You know, maybe I'll try to do that during the hiatus. Go see some films just to go see him, you know?
0: I want to see, like, Milius and just see if he, like, talks about how hippies suck. I think that would be worth it all there. You know? Like, <laughs> I love that Milius Yeah, it'd be interesting, man. I, mean, I thought like, about I doing about a
1: milius at some point. Maybe next oh, year. There
0: so there this could
1: be a good uh, place to start.
0: So we're going to try to do six horror movies on the run-up to Halloween, uh, maybe three apiece, if uh, if 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 we're back online, when we think we're back online. So um, I got a couple, and I just need to add one more, and I know Mark has some. So uh, it might be a horror-a-thon, which would be kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I think I think it that.
1: will be fun, yeah. I mean, I, I think I've, the horror movies have done, the podcast I've really enjoyed, so I think as I get older, I, I like, I mean, when I was a kid, I hated horror movies because they scared the shit out of me. But uh, I well now, now problem, I enjoy them just because they're so they're such flights of fancy. There's not any well, my, type of movie that really goes that crazy as a horror movie.
0: Yeah, and my problem is this I I I stopped getting scared by horror films a long time ago. Uh you know there's the sort of the jump thing where they just jump out and it's just those are kind of cheap shots, but mm-hmm. uh it's horror movies in general um I think they'll gross me out to a certain point. Uh, like uh, Eli Ross, Hostel grossed me out. I had to stop it just because yeah, it was grossing I, I, me I out. I saw
1: a bit of that. That, that. That's not really my thing. It, but I, uh, like I don't, I don't truly, mind gore. But usually, if it's a little more off the off the charts, I don't want it too like, realistic.
0: Like a movie that makes me scared to walk through my dark house at night. Very Ooh. few. Of those. I mean, have, we could have, do some
1: really frightening movies, not just fun, gory movies. We should probably mix it up. You should tell me what three you're doing and then I'll try to make some choices that complement those.
0: Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll bat it around and we'll come up with a program for the listeners there that, uh, hopefully we'll have some variety to it. And, uh, Anyway, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, so, uh, for everybody, have a rest of a great rest of your summer. Or if you're down in uh, Australia, have a great rest of your what winter. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the spring coming up here. Hopefully, it'll be nice. All right. So, uh, until then.